Hello and welcome to Glasgow. I'm Susan Spence. Thank you for downloading the Holiday in Glasgow City Guide podcast. During my trip, I stayed at the Holiday Inn Theatreland, right in the heart of the city centre. But there are a variety of Holiday Inn properties to choose from in the Glasgow area to suit all tastes and budgets. There's an Express by Holiday Inn situated right next door to the Holiday Inn Theatreland. Express is a comfortable low-cost alternative, but still maintains the same standards you've come to expect from a Holiday Inn and offers complimentary continental breakfast for all guests. If you want to be on the waterfront, then you'll love the location of the Holiday Inn Crown Plaza. It's located on the banks of the River Clyde and directly opposite the Glasgow Science Centre, the new BBC and STVHQ, and also within walking distance of the Tall Ship Visitor Attraction, as well as being within easy reach of the city centre. All budgets are catered for on the waterfront, with an express by Holiday Inn Riverside also on offer. If you need to stay at Glasgow Airport, there's both a Holiday Inn and an express by Holiday Inn there. The airport is just a 15-minute drive from the city. And for those who like to be in the countryside, but still within easy reach of Glasgow city centre, then the Holiday Inn East Kilbride is for you. Play golf, visit Strathclyde Country Park, but still be within seven miles of the city. Now, just before we start to explore Glasgow, let me tell you how you can receive up to 35% off your next weekend stay at any of our Holiday Inn properties. Just visit our website, ihg.com forward slash podcast. That's ihg.com forward slash podcast for all the details. Jam-packed full of style and culture, Scotland's biggest city can be a real surprise to visitors, in a good way, of course. Glasgow's blend of internationally acclaimed museums and galleries, stunning architecture, vibrant nightlife, eclectic shopping that's hailed the best in the UK outside of London and mouth-watering cuisine from the Scottish larder make it an irresistible pool. Glasgow was crowned European City of Culture in 1990, as well as the UK City of Architecture and Design in 1999. Calvin Grove Art Gallery, the Glasgow Science Centre... The Willow Tea Rooms, designed by Charles Rennie McIntosh, and a warm Glasgow welcome are just some of the delights that await. Ladies and gentlemen, Today I travelled by bus. I actually came from Glasgow Airport and it's a very easy journey to take. Many, many buses will bring you into Glasgow City Centre. Uh, Just make sure you have a look about because there are various different fares and some of them will allow you to actually use a ticket that you can then use on City Centre buses as well as getting to and from the airport. Well, I'm now standing outside the front doors of the Holiday in Glasgow Theatre Land. I'm ready to see all the sights that Glasgow has to offer. And Visit Scotland have kindly given me a guide for the day. He is Donald MacDonald. And uh, Donald, you're going to be showing me around. Thank you very much for taking the time out. Before we start, can I just ask you about your name? It's a wonderful Scottish name. Hey, good morning, Susan. Yes, the fact is that I belong to Clan MacDonald. And in Clan MacDonald... There are four traditional names reserved for boys, the names being Angus, Ian, Donald, Alexander. And it just so happens that when I came along, the family name Donald was the one they held in reserve for me. 
So it's a real special day, though. I knew there would be something about it. Now, we're going to be spending a couple of hours wandering around Glasgow. But before we start, just to get our bearings, could you give us a little bit of the history of the city? Well, Glasgow has grown really in four stages over the last thousand years. It began as a religious centre uh, at the cathedral. And for 500 years, religion was the main purpose of Glasgow. Then it moved on to being a commercial centre. It imported materials like rum, sugar, tobacco from North America. And that was the second phase. The third phase, Glasgow moved on to manufacturing things, not just selling and buying, but manufacturing. And for 100 years, it was one of the main workshops of the British Empire. But that phase has gone, and today Glasgow is what we would call a service centre for finance, banking, and above all, retail. It's the second biggest shopping centre in the UK after London. Now, looking at the maps and knowing Glasgow myself, it's kind of built a little bit on a grid system, but quite easy to get round. Uh, yes, it is, Susan. Quite a large section of the city, the one that visitors mainly frequent, is laid out on a grid system with roads running north-south and east-west. And George Square which is the major landmark in the city, is right in the middle of that particular grid system. So I think it would be a good idea if we began at George Square. So from here, we are going to walk down Hope Street, we're going to turn into Gordon Street and turn east, and that will bring us right into George Square. It's about a seven or eight minute walk. Well, here we are in George Square, and it is a real focal point for the city. It's, it's quite a large square, and it's got that lovely, what I would deem to be a, a lovely red concrete base. Donald, so much history has gone on here. This, uh, this square, Susan, was laid out in the 1830s, uh, and all the buildings around it didn't happen then. They, they gradually grew all through the 1800s. The biggest building of all which is in many ways the focal point of the square, is City Hall, or City Chambers, as we say in Glasgow. Built in the 1880s, expense was no problem. We could never afford a magnificent building like this today, I'm afraid. So we've got City Hall. We also have all around the square a series of statues of scientists, authors, politicians, and a couple of military men from the 1800s. Right in the middle is a 90-foot-high statue of the man who was the best-selling author in the world in the English language when this square was laid out in the 1830s, Sir Walter Scott. And in the distance, behind him, is a magnificent building, Merchant's Hall. I mentioned earlier on that commerce in the 1600s, 1700s was very big, and the merchants had their own building uh, crowned with a globe to indicate that they had worldwide connections. Nowadays, though, Donald, the actual use of the square has changed dramatically. Yes, because quite a large part of the hard surface is fenced off at times of the year for various exhibitions, for markets. For example, during the International Piping Festival in August, pipe bands give demonstrations here in the square. So plenty of things go on, and if you'd like to find out what is going on in George Square, you can either visit the tourist office uh, or check out the website as well, which is visitscotland.com. Well, Susan, we've come a little bit west from George Square, come a couple of hundred yards west, and we're now in Buchanan Street. The main shopping area of Glasgow forms a letter Z. Top bar of the Z is Sochi Hall. The middle bar, the biggest one, is Buchanan, where we are. 
and the bottom bar of the Z is Argyle Street. And we're right here in the middle of Buchanan Street. It's relatively quiet at the moment, but on a Saturday in summertime, this is one seething mass of humanity. At the top end, it's anchored by Buchanan Galleries. The bottom end is anchored by Fraser's, and in between is simply one enormous continuous line of shopping. And one of my favourite shopping areas in Glasgow is the Princess Square. You'll see it as you head down towards the bottom end of Buchanan Street. You wouldn't be able to miss it because it, right in the front doors are a whole load of wrought iron. That would probably earmark it, wouldn't it, Donald? Yes, because uh, wrought iron work is a major decorative feature of uh, 18th, 19th century Glasgow. Although Princess uh, Square was only opened in 1988, it is built on the site of a former collection of shops and offices from the 1800s. Well, here we are now in the Princess Square. There are actually two entrances. You've got the main one and also one that actually is just an escalator straight up to the top. Now, I have never noticed this, despite the many times I have ridden this escalator, Donald, but there are particular faces on the wall and they're painted in a particular way. Well, the faces on the wall are of famous Scots, Charles Rennie Mackintosh, the architect, David Livingston, the explorer and missionary, James Watt, the inventor, and they're painted in such a way that at one point you see them exactly as they should be, and then as you move past, the faces become more and more distorted. It's a technique developed by Leonardo da Vinci. It's called anamorphic painting. Great. I must admit, next time I ride it, I will certainly have a look. Now, I think this is a beautiful building. It's got such a wonderful roof. It's, got a, it's all glass. There's lots of different iron and stone and wood being used in this. It's one of these places where I just think it's fantastic, not only for quaint little shops, but also for people watching. Well, we have all kinds of people here. We have people who are sitting, eating and drinking. We have people shopping and window gazing. And right down at the bottom, we have a very imaginative kids' playground. So there's something for everybody here. And in terms of shopping in Glasgow, we've got Buchanan Street, which have got a lot of the high street names. We pop into here, into Princess Square, where there are a mixture of uh, high street names and other smaller uh, independent stores. But Glasgow itself served so very, very well for shopping. It does, because although in the middle we have chains of every kind imaginable, particularly in footwear and clothing. When we move to the outlying parts, as we will do later on to the West End, there, there are all kinds of individual shops of a much more quirky nature, nothing to do with international chains. Now, Glasgow is very well known for its architecture, and one of the places you might want to pop into and uh, have a look is the Lighthouse, which is on Mitchell Lane, just off Buchanan Street. Yes, Buchanan Street is not only about shopping, because all along the length of it there are small cul-de-sacs and side streets. For example, right here at Mitchell Lane uh, is the, the Lighthouse building, designed by Charles Rennie Mackintosh in the early years of the 1900s, formerly a newspaper office. And it's distinctive because, like a lighthouse, tall and narrow, and from the top there's a wonderful view across a little section of the Glasgow skyscape. And down the bottom of Buchanan Street, turn left and go along Argyle Street, there's a very important little arcade that I remember, actually. My parents bought me my first ever watch. It's the Argyle Arcade, very famous for jewellery. The Argyle Arcade is the longest uh, extent of jewellery shops in the United Kingdom and it extends from Buchanan Street, goes right along and loops into Argyle Street so it links two, two of the main shopping streets. 
Well, we've taken a well-earned rest. We've come up to Sucky Hall Street uh, from Buchanan Street and we popped in to the Willow Tea Rooms, which is a very famous tea room uh, from Charles Rennie Macintosh. Uh, Donald, this is really distinctive and there's quite a story behind the Rennie Macintosh Tea Rooms. Yes, Charles Rennie Macintosh, who lived in the latter years of the 1800s and the earlier years of the 1900s, was a notable architect and also interior designer. In fact, he's probably more important for his interior designs than for his external architecture. And he got a contract from a lady, Miss Cranston, who owned a chain of tea rooms, and she was anxious to popularise her tea rooms as an antidote to pub-going. So she gave uh, Macintosh the contract for the design of the interior of her tea rooms, and he proceeded to do that and to do it very well indeed. And this is one surviving example of his interior design. And the Willow Tea Rooms, this is the original one. There is, of course, one on Buchanan Street, but the Willow Tea Rooms on Sucky Hole Street is the original one. Sucky Hole, though, is an extremely famous street in Glasgow, isn't it? Sucky Hole Street is the original uh, main shopping thoroughfare, and it still retains something of that character. The name Sucky Hole comes from two old Scottish words. Sucky, meaning a willow tree, and haw, meaning a low-lying piece of land. And it's, of course, no coincidence that uh, the name Willow appears in this particular tea room. Now, in the Willow tea rooms, you can pop in, have a cup of tea, coffee, and uh, also afternoon tea. Great selection of cakes. And it's a good opportunity for you uh, to savour and just have a little taste of some of the Scottish specialities, which, Donald, there are quite a few, and I know you have a couple of favourites. I do indeed, Susan. One old Scottish speciality is uh, the potato scone, which is a perfect accompaniment to something like bacon or sausage. And then later on in the day, at tea time, I really do like a fly cemetery. It's not a cemetery for flies. It's two pieces of pastry with lots and lots of currants and raisins in between. I'm with Don McRae from the Willow Tea Rooms. Don, this is a really special place to come. Yes, this is um, this is original tea rooms. It's on five floors. And in the main tea room where everybody comes in and sits and have a coffee, afternoon tea or, or stuff like that, that's a really impressive room. It's so distinctive for Macintosh. What kind of things can we have to eat and drink in there? Well, we do a very wide selection of food. We do um, from baked potatoes, sandwiches. We have a lot of Scottish food, haggis, a lot of fish dishes, salmon, abro smokies. And one of our most favourite dishes is the afternoon tea, which is very popular and it's very fancy if you want to treat someone. Uh, The afternoon tea consists of sandwiches, selection of sandwiches, a scone with jam and cream and shortbread and a choice of your own cake, tea or coffee with that. Are there any cakes that you do that are particularly unique to Scotland? Well, the owner of the tea rooms made, has made meringues since she uh, used, you know, took over the place. She makes lovely meringues and they are very, very popular with everyone. And also we do like uh, clotted dumpling with custard or whatever your choice is, and then we do fruit slice, scones, things like that. They're pretty typical Scottish cakes. Yeah, I have to admit, Clitty Dumpling's one of my favourites. Um, tell me, um, people who come here, do you find that you get a lot of Rennie Macintosh enthusiasts, or is it a real mixture of just typical Glaswegians popping in for a nice cup of tea? We get a lot of tourists we get some Glaswegians, but I would say the majority of visitors to this tea room is tourists. Um, we've got another tea room in Buchanan Street, and they get a lot of Glaswegians. They get a lot of the shoppers down that area, 
but we get mainly tourists and a lot we get a lot of people art students and architects and things like that as well comes in great thank you very much I have to say, for me to pick out my favourite Scottish thing, my mum always used to make it. We never used to have a birthday cake. She would always make us a clouty dumpling. Uh, and a clouty dumpling, I, the best way to describe it, I suppose, is like it's a bit like a, a fruit cake. You can, yeah, in a bag. And you could have slice it, you can fry it, or you can have it hot with sugar or anything like that. Some people nowadays would have it with cream. Uh, but you can have that as you, as you come to Glasgow. Pop into any of the many cafes, uh, tea rooms, and ask for clouty dumpling, uh, and you won't be disappointed. Now we've left Sucky Hall Street, we've come along Bath Street and Cathedral Street into the east side of Glasgow. Now I think it would be fair to say that a lot of visitors to the city might actually decide not to come here because they might think, well, I don't really think there's a lot here in comparison to other parts of the city. But actually, you'd be wrong because here in the east side are three little gems, starting with Glasgow Cathedral. Now, from the outside, you might think, oh, OK, that's quite a small building. It's, it's quite um, kind of black in colour. When you walk through the doors, believe me, this is well worth the visit. This is a beautiful building, Donald. It is indeed, Susan. It's black on the outside because for a couple of hundred years, the outside of the building was subject to soot from industry. And it was thought not wise to clean it because it would look highly artificial. The cathedral was founded in 1136 and the building that we're looking at was put up during the 1200s. Behind the cathedral where there is on the hill a city of the dead, a necropolis, and dominating that city of the dead is a statue of the father of the Protestant Reformation in Scotland, John Knox. And the other two little gems next to the cathedral is the St Mungo Museum and also the oldest house in Glasgow. Uh, St Mungo's Museum is really a museum of religious life and art and it's built right on the site of the Bishop's Palace from former times which has completely gone except for one little piece of wall. Second feature is this oldest house that Susan referred to, the canons, the officials of the cathedral were required to build themselves a house within easy walking distance off the cathedral. And of the 32 houses, only one remains, built in 1471, called Provence Lordship. And it is open to the public, and admission, of course, as so frequently in Glasgow, is free. And while we're out in this area, what else is there for people to see here? Well, right here, this very busy street, High Street, formerly the main street of the city, it runs south towards the River Clyde. And down at the bottom there, about 10 to 15 minutes walk away, is Glasgow Green, the oldest open space in the city, and also the People's Palace, uh, an exhibition of the life of working people in Glasgow. Now, we said at the beginning of the podcast that Glasgow was split into east, middle and west. So we've covered the east and the middle and we've just hopped on a bus uh, from Sucky Hall Street. And we're going to head now down to the west end of Glasgow. Donald, this, it would be fair to say, is quite a trendy and upmarket area of the city. Yes, it is indeed, because the city over the centuries has just gradually moved westwards. Now, out here in the west, there is the Kelvin Grove Art Gallery and Museum, at the moment the biggest single tourist attraction in Scotland, and directly across the road from it is the city's Transport Museum, which is absolutely first class of its type. Then, five minutes walk away is the University of Glasgow, surrounded by the Hunterian Art Gallery, Hunterian Museum, uh, and also the shopping area of Byers Road. 
I think it's probably worth pointing out, Donald, that as we're going around Glasgow, especially when you head towards the West End, you start to notice a change in the buildings. Um, it becomes more residential, and these buildings uh, are very unique to Glasgow, tenement flats. Yes, these are usually four-storey, usually built in the closing years of the 1800s or the early years of the 1900s, built with uh, obviously no lifts, no double glazing, no central heating, but many of them have been transformed. And if you wanted to see a traditional tenement preserved as it was uh, 70 or 80 years ago, then the place to go is the old tenement house in Buckloo Street, north of, behind Sohe Hall Street. Well, we've now arrived at the Kelvin Grove Art Gallery. We got off the bus, crossed the road. You cannot miss the gallery. It's a huge redstone brick building, and it's very, very impressive. We've come inside, and I have to say, Donald, this is not how I remember the Kelvin Grove Art Gallery. No, maybe because uh, two years ago the Kelvin Grove Art Gallery Museum was refurbished uh, at a cost of nearly $30 million. Now, in its present layout, it's on two floors, the... West End is devoted to life, which really means the environment, biology, and so on. The East End is devoted to expression, which means art and design. Now, the way that we come in is actually through the back door, and I have to say it's probably the most impressive back door you'll ever come across. I know you'll explain why that is in a moment. Tell us a little bit about the history of the art gallery. The art gallery was opened in 1901. And it's designed so that the back of it faces the main road. So when you come in, you come in the back door. The front side of it faces the university, which we'll visit. Well, we've come out the front door of the museum. Uh, Right in front of us is a big green ribbon of land uh, with the River Kelvin flowing in between. And on the far side of the Kelvin is the beautiful spire of Glasgow University, which relocated here in 1870, having previously been down in the east end of the city. And the area we're in is all part of the big Kelvin Grove Park, one of Glasgow's 39 city parks. And unlike some universities where people would just notice that it's there, it's actually worthwhile stopping and going into the university for a look. Yes, because the architecture which dates in this case from the 1870s a beautiful example of neo-gothic and many people coming inside here say in amazement this is exactly how i would picture a traditional university to look and in the vicinity is the hunterian museum hunterian art gallery and a replica of charles rennie mcintosh's house well, we've come out what they call the back door of Kelvin Grove Art Gallery onto Argyle Street and we've turned right uh, past the Kelvin Hall on your left and the Museum of Transport. Uh, you'll have the infirmary, that's the hospital on your right. And then just as you go along there, you'll find Byers Road. Now, this is a long stretch of road. It heads all the way up to Great Western Road. At the top of it, you'll find the Botanic Gardens, which is well worth a visit. But Byers Road itself is definitely worth you coming down here and having a look. Lots of nice little gift shops, plenty cafes to sit and watch the world go by. Of course, restaurants. You'll find quite a lot of independent restaurants here as well. And, of course, you've got plenty of pubs too. Now, Glasgow itself, you'll never be short of something to eat or drink here. Plenty of options to suit every taste and budget, both in the city centre, around the Merchant City and here on Byers Road. If you're looking for something particularly Scottish, then why not try the Two Fat Ladies on Dumbarton Road? That's where You will actually pass that as you go along 
from the Kelvin Grove Art Gallery. You might want to try Ubiquitous Chip. Now, that's on Ashton Lane, which runs behind Byers Road. If you can't find it, then just ask one of the locals. Everybody knows where Ashton Lane is. Uh, Donald, let's talk about what there is to do in terms of entertainment and nightlife here in Glasgow. Bars Road, of course, has it all, but the Holiday Inn is located right in the heart of the city centre, opposite the Royal Concert Hall and very close to all the theatres. Yes, Glasgow has a long history of theatres, not all of which are operative today, but there's still a selection. The Royal Concert Hall, which is a beautiful building, uh, offers two different kinds of things. On the one hand, there are classical Uh, performances by BBC Symphony Orchestra, for example. And on the other hand, there is Celtic music, particularly in the month-long festival in January called Celtic Connections. Theatre Royal is close to the Holiday Inn, as is the Pavilion. Uh, A short distance west is the Kings. On the south side of the river is the Citizens, all of these currently operating. Now, in addition to all that, Glasgow has a particularly lively club and rock and pop scene. Last weekend, for example, uh, in the city, there were 17 separate rock and pop events, one of them being Girls Allowed at the Scottish Exhibition and Conference Centre. Well, we've spoken about what to eat when you come to Glasgow, what to sample, you know, the clouty dumpling and that kind of thing, and the fly cemetery. One thing we haven't spoken about is drinking. Out of Glasgow's numerous drinking establishments, there are different styles. There are the older, uh, darker, wood-panelled places where you get a huge range of malt whiskies and beers. There are more modern places with lots of marble and glass where the customers drink uh, tequila, vodka, that kind of thing. And thirdly, there are a group of music venues where Uh, Celtic music is just as important as drinking. And of course, as well as eating and drinking, something that's very important to Glaswegians is their sport, in particular football and, of course, Celtic and Rangers. Celtic and Rangers are located so that they're as far as possible apart from each other. One is in the west side of the city, quite far out, and the other is in the east end of the city. When the two meet, and their meetings are legendary worldwide, there will be always an attendance of in excess of 50,000 overexcited spectators. You can actually pop along and take a tour of Celtic Park and indeed Ibrooks. And if you're thinking about Scottish football as a whole, then you can also take in the Hamden experience. Just check out the local tourist office or, of course, visit scotland.com. Well, Donald, thank you very much for showing me around Glasgow. Before I let you go, let me just ask you, what is your favourite thing about Glasgow? My favourite spot is the Transport Museum because it's got one of the best collections in Europe of every imaginable kind of transport, all of which were produced in Glasgow. And on the upper floor, it's got the best ship collection, ship model collection, that is, in the United Kingdom. Now, the River Clyde coming up in the left here. You know, at one time, it was the most prolific shipbuilding river in the world. At one point in history... Another good way of getting around the city and seeing what it has to offer is to take a city bus tour. Uh, I'm with Jill from Glasgow City Sightseeing Bus Tours. Jill, this is a great way if you're limited for time or you just want to get your bearings. Yeah, it covers everything. We start by what we call the east side of the tour and that goes around the oldest parts of Glasgow. And that involves a lot of the gory stuff, uh, you know, um, prisons and hangings and uh, and on to the next part of the tour which we'll call the west side. That incorporates the big 
area down on the banks of the River Clyde where they're building all sorts of new things down there beside the Scottish Exhibition and Conference Centre. It's uh, all happening down there. And then through the university in the West End, back to the city centre. It takes about an hour and 20 minutes in total. One of the things that caught my eye going down there, because as somebody who used to live in Glasgow years ago, is that whole redeveloped area uh, down by Glasgow Harbour. Yeah, it's, it's all happening down there. You've got the tall ship. Uh, the Glen Lee, built in the Clyde, launched 1896, an old cargo vessel, a smashing place to visit. Also, you've got the Glasgow Science Centre and the Glasgow Tower, which is the tallest freestanding structure in Scotland. Get a smashing view. It's the only tower in the world that turns 360 degrees from the base upwards, following the changing directions of the wind. Finally, behind the Science Centre is the IMAX Cinema. And let me ask you as one final point. Um, as somebody who knows the city really, really well, what would you say if somebody was coming to Glasgow that they shouldn't miss? Oh, gosh, yes, it depends on your taste and everything. But I would say the Kelvin Grove Art Galleries and Museum. It is now the most visited place in Scotland. Bound as a wee castle in Edinburgh that used to be the most visited place in Scotland. But since uh, the Kelvin Grove Art Galleries and Museum was recently renovated and reopened, it's now pushed the poor old castle in Edinburgh into number two spot. Jill, thank you very much for talking to us. And if you'd like to take a Glasgow City Sightseeing bus tour, then check out the website www.citysightseeingglasgow.com. Perhaps I say this because I used to live here, but for me, Glasgow is one of the best cities in the world. It has everything you need and more. Plus, you won't find friendlier folk anywhere on the planet. And as well as that, you'll get the best ice cream and fish and chips too. If you have the time, then Loch Lomond, Stirling and the Trossachs are within easy reach for a day trip, as is Scotland's capital, Edinburgh. These two cities may only be less than 50 miles apart, but they couldn't be more different. And there's great rivalry between east and west. And for something a little bit special, why not take the Loch Lomond seaplane from Glasgow Harbour to Oban in the northwest of Scotland, flying over some of the most beautiful scenery in the world. 2009 is the year of the first ever homecoming Scotland. Whether you're a Scot of Scottish descent or simply love the country, you're invited to join the celebrations. Homecoming Scotland is a celebration of Robert Burns, Scotland's culture, heritage and the many great contributions Scotland has given the world. For more information, log on to visitscotland.com where you will also find everything you need to plan your trip to Glasgow and indeed to the rest of Scotland. And let me remind you how you can receive up to 35% off your next weekend break here in Glasgow or at any of our other holiday and destinations. All you have to do is visit our website ihg.com forward slash podcast. That's ihg.com forward slash podcast for all the details. I'm Susan Spence. Thank you for downloading the Holiday in Glasgow City Guide podcast and enjoy your stay.